0: Welcome today, friends, to the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. We uh, like to be on here, and a Pinkleton Pull aside from my youth ministry days was a time of great encouragement, people being together. And then when someone would see me peel off to the side with someone, that usually meant a challenge or a little bit stronger exhortation was coming. So in this podcast, we want to encourage, we want to build up, we want to resource, we want to speak life, and we want to talk through challenges, and uh, see where God's working. So today I'm extremely blessed. We have Dave Pass with us. The listings and the titles of who all he is and what all goes with his name would take a long time to explain, but most folks would recognize the name, recognize the face with ESPN doing college basketball, college football, the NBA, and he does the NFL locally in the Phoenix, Arizona area, working with the Arizona Cardinals. And he's been a part of some very interesting moments tied to COVID, a great play in a Cardinals game this year, and many other opportunities. So, Dave, welcome. Great to have you with us today.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure, Jeff. Thanks for having me on.
0: Well, first off, the thing that really stands out, there's many things I guess I could say, but when I went through and looked at some of your on-air partners over the years, wow. I mean, obviously a lot of people know... Bill Walton. I mean, Bill Walton, you just say the name, you leave it there. And you guys have had some great moments together over the years. I think at every Pac-12 arena, you've had you know, some other people I noticed that I'd forgotten about, like John Barry. And there were numerous other people. You know, you've worked a little bit, I think, with Vital, with Raftery. Just in college basketball, you've dealt with a lot of people. But thinking about the Super Bowl just ended. Do you ever feel like your head is just swimming and those two sports, and then throw college basketball in. I deal with daily stuff, just working on a ministry and being a dad and a husband. But just in the sports world alone, you have to feel like your head is swimming in it sometimes.
1: No question. Yeah, I'm kind of used to it by now with all the sports colliding at once. But uh, you know, certainly it's been a little bit easier without the travel. I do miss that part of it, uh, in part. Um, you know, not the not the craziness, but I'm you know doing several games a week, and you know, usually I'm bouncing from one city to another and sometimes back and forth so the difference is you know having everything here at home which is kind of what we're doing right now till we get through this uh, at least that's you know the plan for now uh, has been a little bit different um, but you know the prep's the same uh, the amount of time you have to spend on you know covering the league and thinking about what's going on outside of just your game doesn't change so yeah it's uh, (laughs) a It's a challenge to try to keep it all together. I still haven't mastered it, but I'm trying.
0: And so Dave, that's fair to say. So you're not traveling for any of the leagues college pro. You're, you're not traveling at all. You're doing every game from home right now.
1: Uh, not every game, but the majority, the majority is from home about two thirds to three quarters of my college football was home. All the Cardinal games we, we didn't do from my house. We did from the stadium, even the road games. Uh, and then, uh, Pretty much all the college basketballs from home, and I'd say the majority of the NBA, at least for now, is uh, is from my house.
0: Do you have many moments where you wake up and you get confused on? Oh, I thought this game was at home. I actually have to hit the airport, or vice versa. Or are you so? No, nah, ordered-
1: no. It's again most of it's from home, so I pretty much know what to expect.
0: What's that experience like when you were doing the Cardinals games and you you had what was the play again where Kyler Murray had that play late in the game? This was that the Rams or the Seahawks or which game was that?
1: That uh, was Buffalo, the, the Hail Mary. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was against Buffalo. That one was actually a home game, so it was, you know, calling it uh, like you normally would. But it was weird to call, you know, road games off of a big monitor. And, you know, the 49ers moved uh, to Arizona late yeah. in the year or so. There were a couple times, well, one in particular, uh, where, you know, we're calling a Cardinal game. And meanwhile, the 49ers are playing in the stadium. So that was, uh, that was certainly an unusual experience.
0: That had to be quite a task. I can't imagine that. I mean, a distraction there would have to be significant. Is that not fair to say?
1: Yeah. I mean, the the way we were set up was, uh, you know, your back is to the field based on where the monitors are to call the Cardinal game. So we had the windows closed, but you could still hear every now and then the PA announcer and the music playing. So that part of it was, was unusual. Uh, I think, you know, by that, Time I had been so used to the strangeness of of everything that's happened with COVID and how it's impacted the broadcast experience. So it wasn't a complete shock. It just the optics were so odd to have a, you know, to have another game going on while you're sitting there calling your game. Yeah,
0: I can't imagine. Well, Dave, tell us, you know, I mentioned you've worked with a lot of people. Again, Doris Burke, Bill Walton, Trevor Madditz, John Berry. Around these parts, Urban Meyer, that's a big deal name in Ohio. Mark Jackson, Jeff Van Gundy, Dick Vitale, Bill Raftery, Ron Wolfley. Pick out, like, say, three of those. we got to hear about Walton. Maybe something. Did you work with Urban for, was it one year or two years?
1: Just the one year he was out in 2011, in between the Florida and the Ohio State jobs. Yeah, that was the year that I worked with Urban.
0: So maybe talk about, say, Urban, Bill, and maybe somebody else, and give us a quick little nugget of maybe something that, that we don't see or we don't know about that we wouldn't find Googling on or on awfulannouncing.com or sure. something like that about, you know, three of those people.
1: Well, I mean, you mentioned Urban. I'll, I can start with him. I mean, Urban and I are still pretty good friends and talk often and you know, Urban and I, when we were together, Chris Spielman was with us as well. You know, we did Bible study every week together. Uh, a lot of my conversations with, with Urban were conversations about, you know, things other than football and broadcasting. And I think that's one of the reasons we, we bonded and stayed, you know, friends was because of our, our, our background spiritually. And, and some of the conversations, you know, that uh, I think uh, that we enjoyed were, you know, challenging each other and kind of going deep into, uh, you know, some things that are, you know, theological and historical, uh, that, you know, were, you know, something that, you know, maybe you wouldn't normally have in a, just a traditional Bible study. So, um, you know, I've got great respect for him and what he's accomplished. And I really enjoyed my time together. You know, it was, it was interesting to, to, you know, to work with him. I'd covered him a little bit at Florida, but didn't really know him. And then to work with him for that year. And then, you know, to cover him when he was at Ohio state. You know, you see, you know, when you work with somebody, you get to become pretty friendly with them and you're around them and you're traveling with them every week. And then when you're covering them, you you, you know, you see how they are as a coach and, uh, you know, his his ability to build a culture and to get uh, players to buy in and how he manages a staff. I mean, it's pretty, pretty remarkable. You can see why he's so successful. I'll pick two others. I mean, you mentioned Bill Walton, obviously, Bill, you know, it's been <laughs> you know 9 years now working with Bill in college my first experience with Bill was on the NBA in 2006 and you know I, I knew cuz growing up I watched him on NBC and kind of his back and forth with Snapper Jones oh, yeah. so I knew that you know he was unique and his style was different but I really didn't know what I was getting into so I just kind of let him do his thing and uh you know Mike Tarico who is a mentor and somebody that uh, you know I look up to in our business he um he, he called me and said, hey, you, you got to stop Bill. You got to stop him. It's your job, you know, to redirect and get him to refocus on what's going on in the game.
0: Did Tariko realize what he was asking there of you?
1: Well, he was working with Bill. I was kind of the fill-in at that time in 2006. He was working with Bill on NBA. So, you know, he knew. And, and Mike, I think one of the best qualities of Mike as a broadcaster is his ability to get the best out of his analyst and to work with his analyst. I mean, you look at him and Gruden were such a great booth together. So I, you know, I understood what he was saying, you, you know, it's play by play and I was, your job is to kind of manage the moment and know when to jump in and when to let things go. And so I, I, I took that advice, kind of filed it away. And then when, you know, Bill and I started working together for college basketball, you know, I, it, it kind of became part, it wasn't really intended, but it kind of became part of the shtick. And I think what people liked, some people hated it, but, uh, I think you're probably either or you either really like it or hate it, but, uh, you know, it's kind of become part of, hey, let's get back to the game while Bill's kind of doing his thing elsewhere. And then the other person, I mean, look, I I could, you know, say something about everybody that's, that you mentioned there, you know, Doris, I've known Doris for 25 years. Uh, We worked together in different platforms, uh, going back to when I was calling Syracuse games, and she was doing uh, analyst work on radio for the New York Liberty. And I would drive down to New York and do some Liberty games for play by play. That's the first time I worked with Doris. And you knew right away, you know that she's a superstar. I mean, she's you know a great person, such a great analyst. And uh, I've just been—it's been, been kind of neat to see how you know over the years we've been able to work together on, on on different platforms. We've done some, you know, we we called the the Kemba Walker shot against Pitt in the in mm. the Big East tournament together. We we called a four overtime NBA playoff game together. So I've got tremendous respect for Doris, and, and it's kind of neat to see you know her career. Um, and she she got the Kirk Gowdy Award uh, from the Basketball Hall of Fame a few years ago. So, but we always knew, I think everybody that's kind of been around Doris until, you know, she finally got some breaks. He always knew how talented uh, she was. And we're finally, you know, getting to see that.
0: So Dave, I like what you said about your job and you were talking about Tariko and how much you respect him as a mentor. When you look at your job and what your job is to catch the moment, you said, and also to set this other person up as an analyst and bring out the best in them, if you will. What have you learned about a relationship with Christ through what your job is there professionally? And then what have you taken, you know, from your job and said, okay, I'm going to apply that in my relationship with Christ, kind of going both ways with that?
1: Well, I think the biggest thing is uh, it's your relationship with Christ and then taking that to the workplace and, you know, meeting people where they are and, and loving people, you know, for who they are. Um, I think initially when I became a believer, you know, I was, you know, a bull in a a China shop and breaking everything and walking through there, you know, pounding people over the head with the Bible. And that's not, not really a biblical approach. So I look back and think, oh boy, early on, I, I had to change some things in terms of how I, you know, dealt with people. Uh, I think I was so gung ho and so ready to share. I just didn't know how to do it. And, you know, I think I probably didn't help myself or or didn't help uh, really reflect God to others. So, you know, one of the things I think over time in, in working, you know, with with different people is, you know, you just, you love people where they are and you be, you know, you you speak the truth and love and be always ready to have an answer, but do it with gentleness and respect. And I think the gentleness part and the respectful part are what's most important. People are not going to, I think in any in any aspect of life, follow something or someone if they don't believe that you care and if they don't believe that that uh, you love them and that you respect them. You know, I mentioned about Urban building a culture as a coach. I think, you know, he is a way of getting people to believe and to follow. And uh, I think that's, you know, obviously a spiritual principle, right? I mean, people that follow Jesus, uh, they saw, you know, miracles. They saw uh, things that he did that expressed, you know, God's love, his love for them. And, uh, you know, if it was all about telling people you're doing something wrong and here's how to do it the right way, uh, that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be motivating. (laughs) So, uh, I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, being a true reflection of God's character, uh, to other people. And, uh, you know, in terms of taking things from my job and, and, and kind of turning it to your relationship with Christ. I mean, I think I always do better when I have a routine. And unfortunately, with my job, there's not much routine. And I think that probably, you know, in my quiet time or prayer time, you know, it's it's, every day is different. And I kind of wish that I could, you know, find a way to be consistent. I know people that they do everything the same every day. And I kind of long for that. I think there's some comfort in that. I think that's, a you know, a spiritual principle, but I'm not there yet. You know, I think it's something I continually strive for.
0: Dave, what year was it when you came to Christ? How old were you?
1: I came to Christ, um well, I think I became interested probably when I was about twenty-three. And then it wasn't until I was twenty seven or twenty eight when I really committed. And then when we moved to Arizona, I was twenty nine and got baptized here. So it's been a you know, it's been almost twenty years or right around twenty years.
0: So you were already married? Did you have kids yet?
1: Yes. Yep. We had uh two children at that point. Yep.
0: And what were their ages at the time?
1: Well, our oldest would have been she was born in ninety eight. So you know, I was probably at that point 20, about 26. So um, I think at that point, you know when we started having children, I think I you know was more serious in my commitment. And then we had our second child uh, was about a year before we moved to Arizona, and that's about the time that I really and you know, I think you know, made a commitment to Christ. And then like I said when we moved to Arizona in 2002. she our, our middle child was a year old, and that's when I got baptized here.
0: So I know a lot of people, if they don't, you know, they, what is it? They say like 80% of people come to know Christ before they're 18. And I think a lot of people that don't, and it's later, uh, you know, being a dad or a you know, mom or whatever the case may be, uh, that has some significant role typically maybe in that happening. So what were the, what were the things hitting at all the right times? What was the perfect storm that really allowed you to wake up and say, Hey, this Jesus guy, I really needed to do something with him
1: yeah, I mean, there was nothing really you know a lot of times people have some sort of traumatic moment or a a point where they you know hit rock bottom and they're searching for someone to help them out and to point them in the right direction. I think mine was more curiosity, skepticism. Uh, I mean, I'm Jewish, so I you know really had no exposure to Christianity at all growing up. And I think the biggest thing that uh, I try to tell pe- people say, oh, so you're no longer Jewish, no I, I, you can't change your ancestry. <laughs> I'm still Mm -hmm. Jewish. I just, you know, I'm Christian. I believe Christ is the Messiah. And, you know, that's kind of what I, what I, what I tell people, but, um, you know, I, I, I think the biggest thing was I just, you know, I, I knew that there was more to life. You know, I was probably, I was not an atheist, but I was definitely agnostic and really just didn't care. And then when I met my wife, you know, she was a believer, the Bible was not her authority. She would tell you that, but she was a believer and there was something different about her. And I think that kind of got me down the path of. Well, if I'm going to marry this woman and if I'm going to have children, you know, I need to really know what she believes. And so it kind of started out that way. Uh, And I think over time and reading and and studying books and reading the Bible, I think I got to a point where, okay, I have an intel, you know, if you see in the case for Christ, it's very similar where, you know, you kind of realize, okay, you know, I can't, uh, uh, there's too much evidence here for my intellect. You know, I can't, I can't do anything other than, than believe. So what am I going to do about it? And that that's, I think, when the point where I kind of fought with the commitment for a while, because I i, I believe that it was true and and I just had to, you know, go there with my heart. Uh, and that, you know, took a couple of years.
0: That's interesting you bring up Lee Strobel in The Case for Christ, the book and the movie, because as you were talking, and I don't think I caught that when I've heard previous podcasts with you, that definitely seems like it lines up, maybe not as an extreme a version as far as where you were as God's not dead, but there definitely seems to be, I love how you jumped on the word curiosity. So there's clearly a case for Christ book movie, um, God's not dead type of thing that was going on with you. Is that pretty fair to say then?
1: Yeah, I would say that. Yeah. I think a lot of it was, you know, I was at a point in my life where, you know, again, I was having kids, um, but also looking at my career and just, you know, kind of searching for, okay, what, what's really, what am I doing? What, what, what is the point of all this? You know, what am I here for? All those things, you know, you kind of get to a point in your life where you start thinking about that. I think for everybody it's different, but, you know, I obviously had going against me the fact that I didn't have, you know, an upbringing in the church and really didn't understand any, you know, I, I didn't even understand much about Judaism. We, we went to temple twice a year. Um, I, I was bar mitzvah and confirmed, but I, you know, I didn't really know much about it and didn't really know why I did a lot of those things. It was just more, I guess, this is what you're supposed to do. So I think, yeah, a lot of it was, you know, I did read Lee Strobel's book and read other books. I think a lot of it was just getting the questions answered. And, you know, I think, I think that's how, you know, I think part of the reason that I, I think I'm good at my job I, is because, you know, you constantly are analyzing and evaluating and questioning and looking at things from different angles. And I think that's probably how I looked at God. I, I had to be convinced. I had to really know it. You know, I couldn't just say, okay, this is something that's interesting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow. I think I really had to be convinced. And I, I don't think God looks down upon that. I think, uh, you know, I think that's one of the reasons he, you know, spoke in parables so often is because, you know, he wanted people to work things out. You know, he gave us a brain. He wanted us to, to work things out in our minds and then be committed and to make, you know, to make a decision for ourselves of of where we want to go with our life. So that's kind of how I think, you know, I came to Christ.
0: You know, it's interesting. So I'm 51. I've been serving professional men in this men's ministry called the Gathering in the Miami Valley for 14 years. And one of the things I've really grown to see more than I realized 14 years ago is men in general, and I want to be careful how I say this, but are not really self-aware much of the time as far as who they are and as far as their I I mean our identity in Christ Colossians 127 Christ in me the hope of glory is everything and I've been blessed to get to be around some people you know one guy that's become a friend and I'm sure you've crossed paths with him times over the years Clark Kellogg Uh, a guy I had on our podcast on my other podcast um, a few months ago was Jimmy Dykes and I'm guessing you and Jimmy Dykes have called the game together And with both those two men, I'm really impressed with, they seem very aware, they seem to make the most of every opportunity, they seem to let their yes be yes, their no be no. You know, we can all say it goes, Jesus, others, yourself, you know, joy, or however we want to line that up about our faith being first, our family being second, then whatever else we do is third. But Dave, I really get a sense that that's you, that you really understand who you are, you understand who God's made you and created you to be, the curiosity, the asking questions, the research serves you well. Expand on that. Is that fair, what I'm seeing in you? And, and is that true? And
1: uh, yeah, Well, yeah. I mean, I think that uh, because I think my, my tendency is to question and to uh, look at things from, from all angles. I think it's probably in some ways hurt me in my relationship with Christ. I think, you know, I'd love to be the person that, You know, God says, do this and you do it automatically. I think I'm more, you know, probably like, you know, the disciples were in the Gospels, you know, before they really knew who Jesus was, where they, you know, are constantly saying, okay, you really want me to do this or you know, well, what about this? You know, hey, you know, wait, you're going to die on the cross. No, that's not, Messiah's not supposed to die. So you're supposed to take over, you know, you're supposed to get the Romans out of here. So, you know, I think I have those moments way too often where I'm questioning. Um, and I know Jimmy very well, worked with Jimmy for a long time off and on. And I, and I know Clark as well, not as well as I know Jimmy. But yeah, I, I have great respect for both men. I think, you know, the times I've been around Jimmy, I mean, Jimmy's pretty much the same every day um, Jimmy's pretty consistent in his walk. I, I I don't think I am. I think I may, I I think I'm comfortable with who I am and who God made me, but I also think I'm a very inconsistent person. Mm -hmm. I'd love to be consistent, but I think I, you know, my emotions and, you know, I think I'm, I'm more of a, of a roller coaster in terms of, you know, the things I, you know, my, 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 the wheels are constantly spinning in my head and it's just being able to calm those down and being able to just be consistent. Like I said earlier about the routine, I think, you know, I'm kind of designed the way God designed me. I do okay with, okay, wait, this game, this night you're doing a game in, in Detroit and tomorrow, you're doing a game in Eugene, Oregon. Here's how you got to get there. You got to fly to Portland. You got to drive two hours. You got to go to shoot around. Okay. I can, I can handle that. Um, it's the consistency that of okay, here's your day. And I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, doing a lot of games from home, and knowing each day what each day is going to look like my, my body and my brain are not used to Sure, you know so i'm still kind of uh kind of dealing with you know how to handle that the best way and uh you know my wife and i are not used to being around each other as much as we are right now and our personalities are very different so it's you know managing that and, how's that going for the marriage you know yeah i mean it's good but there's time, there's days that aren't good you know i'm not going to lie there's days where you know you're you're because your personalities clash and you're messing now with her routine and uh, you know, we're, we're getting used to it. I mean, I've been home for such a long time for most, you know, for most of that period of time since, you know, COVID shut down the world mid-March last year. I mean, a good percentage of the time I've been home. You know, we had such a routine for so long where, you know, I was gone for so long. Um, and it was, you know, a way that I think, you know, our personalities work together. So it's just the the, the peaceful coexistence that you work towards, you know, when you're around each other more. That's all.
0: So there's no phone calls from your wife going to ESPN saying, Hey, uh, can you schedule Dave to not be at home tonight and send him to nah. uh, the Staples Center?
1: Yeah, there might be, <laughs> yeah, there might be. No, I'm sure, I'm sure the times that I have traveled though, I think it's um, not, not say like she wants me out of the house, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's a part of her that says, okay, it's good. You know, there, there's some, there's some goodness to that.
0: Yeah. My wife is amending that with me uh, somewhere not too terribly far from here. So yeah, um, So, Dave, let me ask you, I I really appreciate where you talk about the inconsistency and being a roller coaster, and it sounds like in the midst of you saying that, you were really singing the praises of where you see a guy like Jimmy Dykes doing very well, and you know, you've gone from a schedule where you're gone, I think, was it Peter King that wrote something about you in his uh, Football Morning America, I think it was, where he talked about your schedule from like a Thursday to a Tuesday, somebody wrote about you in five days in your life, Was was that Peter King?
1: Uh, I can't, I can't remember for sure. I know he did something uh, about the uh, uniqueness of the, the the broadcast of the Cardinals game when, the, when yeah. the Niners were playing in the stadium. And I think he did mention the schedule. Well,
0: yes. Yeah, yeah. Somebody had mentioned about you and it listed games you did and traveling and what that looked like. And then now you've been mostly at home. What does it look like for you personally to take the lead and invest in yourself? And then a question I love to ask leaders is who pours into Dave Pash?
1: Yeah. Well, one of the things that uh, we, I'm week three into leading a Bible study, a men's study at our, at our church, which, uh, you know, for me has been, uh, it's been good uh, to be involved more, come home more so I can serve more. Uh, we started a uh, small group of some couples on Monday nights. My wife started, you know, she has, you know, for so long been not forced to stay at home because I think she, you know, it, it has admitted that she would you know, she could find, you know, work if she really wanted to. But I think now with me being home more, being able to help out more, she's, she's working uh, at the church. So she's, uh, hit, you know, finding something where, you know, she can really, you know, she's great with uh, teens and kids. I mean, she's kind of, her personality is she's like a kid. So she gets to, you know, she was always doing that, but now she gets to do more of that. And she's really involved with the women's ministry. So um, it's been kind of neat to uh, to be able to serve her and allow her to do those things where I think before she could, but it would be just too much strain on her. Um, so I think, uh, you know, the people that are pouring into me are, I mean, I think there's various people, people that I talk to that are friends of mine that are Christians that aren't in the business, some that are in the business, you know, and, and uh, you know, I mentioned Chris Spielman earlier, he's somebody that that always, you know, I think when he speaks uh, when I have conversations with him, Ron Wolfley, who I work with on Cardinals, when those two guys speak, you know, they're the way they played the game is kind of very similar to who they are as people. They were hyper competitive, um, very in your face players. And hey, this is the way it's done. And this is what you need to do to bring it every single play. I think they're very similar in their their walk. So that you know, those are guys that Where I think I'm more of a roller coaster, I think most people would maybe look at me and say, no, you're, you're pretty consistent, but they don't, you know, see the wheels spinning inside your head. So I think, you know, watching those two guys, you know, I mentioned Jimmy being consistent, you know, Chris and Wolf, they're very consistent. And I think, again, their intensity, their level of competitiveness and fire and like, no, this is, you know, this is how you're supposed to do things. Um, I think those are two men that, that speak to me. Into my life,
0: so a lot of it's just kind of a natural. God just put the right people around you. You observed your curiosity, leads that, guides that. You know, it sounds like this COVID season's been a really good season then for your family. You know, looping in more to the church and uh, you connecting there and Aaron's serving and leading. So it sounds like it's been a little bit more of a natural thing, and it's just kind of evolved into that versus you having to take too much of a bull by the horns and go for it type of deal. Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, I think you know before. Um, you know, I have more time, obviously, because I'm not worried about the travel as much to be able to pour into to the church and to, to serving others. You know, I think, too, maybe this part of this is, hey, you know, you weren't serving. You need to you need to serve. So here I'm going to I'm going to you know pump the brakes a little bit on your schedule and and you'll be able to to serve more. I mean, I'm working just as much. But again, it's so much easier when you're not, you know, going from city to city. And the only place you're going is your desk. So sure. uh, I, I do think that that's you know, been a, a major positive through this is just, you know, hey, you know, I'm calling you to serve. And, you know, not that I wasn't involved in service. I think as a, as a believer, you're always involved in service in some way, shape or form. But, you know, you're almost forced to because it's like, okay, there's no excuse. You know, you can't, <laughs> there's no excuse. You're, you, you need to do it. And so here are the opportunities. And, you know, I just got involved with uh, just asked to be part of the, the teaching team at church, which is great. You know, I, I, I love teaching, but I think the type of teaching that um I'm being asked to do is probably a little bit out of my comfort zone which is good I think we need to be out of our comfort zones at times so uh you know I I I'll, I'll, I'm sure there'll be parts of of this experience that I'll look back and say we're not good but I think you know a lot of things you see the blessings in them and you know if you don't see them God's going to at some point say look you you need to see this or you know he's going to get you kicking and screaming to the point where you do see the you know the positives in it so so are you I, say, I definitely have
0: are you saying you're going to be part of teaching as far as preaching on Sunday mornings
1: No, I won't be preaching, but uh, just just one of the things we do at our church, you know, the senior pastor uh, preaches, but, you know, there's a teaching team that helps put together uh, ideas and brainstorming and the messages. So, you know, I think that uh, a a lot of this is just brainstorming, coming up with ideas, different ways to look at things. You know, I, I like the fact that it's not just one person, you know, coming up with the sermon. It's, you know, Hey, we have, we have a group of other, believers. We have pastors. We have people that are just laymen that are, you know, that that we feel can can help. Uh, because there's a lot of people from different walks of life that are part of the teaching team. This is again just all stuff that I'm finding out. But no, I'm not, I'm not preaching. I'm just just helping brainstorm ideas.
0: Yeah. If you were if you were at my church, I think if I was a senior pastor, I'd be taking full advantage of that too. That's neat to hear. So Dave, let me let me transition to a thing I want to call the rapid five. Five quick questions. First thing that comes to your mind when you hear this. So what was your favorite childhood snack or cereal?
1: Man, the first thing I think of is like, do you remember Frankenberry? Oh yeah. It was like Cocoa a, Berry,
0: uh, Frankenberry, all that yeah, stuff.
1: Yeah, I can't remember Count Chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I think that was my go-to, no okay. question.
0: It, well, let me ask you this one. Either Powerhouse Candy Bar or whatchamacallit. Did you like either of those two?
1: I don't remember the powerhouse. Watch it so I definitely remember. I don't uh, remember the powerhouse, but watch McCallit. Oh yeah, I, must, I was all in on those.
0: I got you. I got you on some aids there. I guess if you didn't know the powerhouse, that was a great one. What book do you or would you most give to other people to invest in them? You can't say the Bible.
1: Well, yeah, no. I mean, the case for Christ is a is probably a go to. You know, it's such a. I mean, there's just so many things. I think Lee Strobel just has a great way about him of reaching people. So that's probably a book that I've handed to people that, it, you know, once you build a relationship with somebody as opposed to just like, hey, hey, here's a book. You need to read this. You know, people that you develop a relationship with, that's probably a book I've given to more than more than any other.
0: I'll give you a little tip. If you go to maninthemirror.org, I'm friends with some guys on staff there. They always have a book thing going where you can buy like certain books, 48 copies for 99 bucks. And I've got several copies of The Case for Christ that I've given out. So that's, that's a great book. So your family's on vacation. You're going from point A to point B. If you're anything like me, the number one stressor on vacation before you get to the destination is, oh my goodness, what is it going to be like stopping for lunch? And we got to be quick. And we're not taking it with us. And where do we go? And there hasn't been an exit for a while, blah, 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 blah. So all of a sudden you get to an exit and you got these three options, in and out Burger, Chick Fil A, McDonald's. Where does Team Pash go in that scenario?
1: Oh, it's it's in and out. It's not. I I haven't been to McDonald's probably in thirty years. So oh. um, Chick Fil A is very I, I'd say rare. In and out would be the would definitely be the the one. There's that's a no brainer for me.
0: Now I don't I don't know if this is I don't want to cause any controversy on another podcast I had on Andre Davis who eight year NFL veteran godly godly man and he said to me. There's no question in that equation, it's Chick-fil-A. He said, in and out Burger is highly overrated. Now, I, I didn't know this about you at the time, Dave, but I took offense to him saying that. I said, I get the Chick-fil-A thing, yeah. I like it, but I said, I've had In-N-Out a couple of times and I think it is the real deal. So, I live in Ohio, but I've been to Arizona, I've been to California and had it. I was blown away how much Andre Davis shut down In-N-Out Burger.
1: Yeah. It's not for everybody. There there are people. He's not the only one. I've heard others say that they think it's overrated. So it's not not completely surprising.
0: Okay. Number four for you would be anytime you've got the TV on, no matter what you're watching, no matter what you're doing, this movie comes on and you stop and you either watch it, whether it's 10 minutes left to go, an hour left to go at the beginning, what movie would that be?
1: Probably The Godfather. Yeah, if that's on, I'm watching it.
0: You know, it's funny, my pastor, one of our pastors, a good friend of mine, on Sunday preached, and I bet half his sermon was on the Godfather. When we left church, we joked about he went so much. He's usually the pastor who speaks the shortest, and we said he probably went as long as he's ever gone, and we, we all kind of joked it must have been because he got going about the Godfather. So I'll introduce you to my friend Ray, and he'll tell you, you more. Go. You guys can trade Godfather stories. And my favorite question I like to ask is, who is your first celebrity
1: crush? Oh, boy. I think I had a weird crush on Olivia Newton-John. Wow. Uh, either that or Kelly Kapowski. I can't I can't remember the actress's name, but Kelly Kapowski from Saved by the Bell. It's probably probably those two.
0: Now, here's what's funny about both those answers. So, obviously, any guy, if you saw Grease, I mean, that's a no-brainer right, right there with Olivia Newton-John and the Let's Get Physical video, which is ultimate cheese. <laughs> um, and my wife and I have been really digging on Cobra Kai lately, which is a great show going back to the 80s and playing off Karate Kid 30 years later or whatever. But I was it my wife and I or my daughter and I were watching an old episode the other day of Saved by the Bell, and I was reminded how back in those days, I was digging Jesse Spano, Elizabeth Berkley, but as she got older and did her thing, Tiffany Amber Thiessen, yeah, I, I didn't see it back in the Saved by the Bell days, but as she got older, she was better looking then, so... Wow. This is the important stuff, Dave. We could talk about a lot of important things and following Jesus and that's important. But some of these pop culture things, we definitely got to hit on some of those. So let's go back to talk football for just a moment. So yeah. I love the impact and relationship you've had. And I didn't know this just hearing you talk about it. though it's kind of neat with Spillman and Urban since they both have deep roots here in Ohio. Um, wh- how, when you look at those two and where they are, you know, Spillman's been on a job, I think his second year now with the Lions and obviously, it's been a huge deal around here that Urban did not go to USC, but he did leave the broadcast booth and go to the Jaguars. Analyze and evaluate what you think their chances for success are. Because obviously, those are both guys climbing huge hills with the Lions and the Jaguars.
1: Well, they're different jobs, obviously. I think, first with Chris, you know, it's this is, I think Chris is only about two months into this job. You know, he left it. Uh, I, I think the Lions, you know, it was a situation where, I'm not sure, you know, Chris, I I think it's a great position for him because the Lions needed somebody to unify that building. And Chris, that's kind of, you know, who Chris is, Chris brings people together. And he does it in a way where you're accountable, you know, he holds people accountable. Um, So I think it was a great hire by the Lions to try to, you know, he's not, you know, making final decisions, he's advising, he's not involved just in football, he's involved on the business side, the broadcast side, the marketing side, he's kind of got his hand everywhere to, you know, help uh, bridge the gap in that organization, you know, to be a great organization. It's not just about the football side. It's, you know, everybody being on the same page. And I think that's one of the reasons they brought Chris in. And I think, you know, in terms of what they're asking from Chris, I think he'll do a great job. And I think Urban will have, you know, tremendous success in the NFL. You know, I think it became clear when, I mean, there've been so many people that have come after him and, you know, I think uh, the college coaching thing, it, it just became clear, I think, with two things. How many coaches from college were getting NFL jobs that didn't have the success that he did? And I think the the grind of what, you know, it is to be a college coach compared to, you know, not that you don't obviously work hard in the NFL, but it's a different type of work. There's no recruiting. You're not, you know, constantly, you know, traveling to go watch kids or to you know follow up with kids and talk to their parents and all that. It's just different. I think he's ready for this. I really do. I I think it was a perfect storm. You know, I'm not I, I'm not sure he would have just taken an NFL job unless, you know, it was a situation like Jacksonville where you've got, you know, control, uh, you've got a lot of cap space, you've got the number one pick. So I, I think you know it just worked out for him where everything kind of came together because uh, I I could I could have seen him you know continuing to do the broadcast thing. So, but I think he'll be great. Uh, again, not surprised that uh, he took the job, not surprised that he went to the NFL. I, I do think he'll have a lot of success.
0: So let me ask you a follow-up real quick to that with Urban. So obviously he was doing a great job and Fox seemed to really be building their big Saturday or whatever they called it around him, even probably at the expense of a little bit of Brady Quinn and and Matt Liner and Reggie Bush. Um, I read where Urban had taken some time and sp- really spent some time with Jimmy Johnson and kind of talked to him and travel, you know, whatever. I think he went down there and with his son and spent some time with uh, Jimmy prior to this. Do you think he still takes that job if if Trevor Lawrence was not on the draft board?
1: I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, like I said, I think uh, the fact that I mentioned having full control, being in a situation, first of all, being in a in an area where his family's familiar with, I don't think he would have just taken any job and, you know, uprooted his family. You know, obviously he's got ties to Florida having coached there. They have friends there, they have a home there. So I think that was a big part of it also. Uh, But I'm sure when you have the number one pick and you have a player like Trevor Lawrence, I mean, I'm assuming that's who he's going to take. I don't know. I haven't asked, but just, you know, looking at how talented Trevor is compared to the rest of the people in that draft. I mean, I'd be shocked if he wasn't the first pick, but I don't know. It's a good question. I, I think there were just too many factors. I don't think it was just one thing. I don't think it was just that you have Trevor Lawrence available in number one, if that's the direction you want to go. Dave, come on. I think we both know he's taking Trevor Lawrence. That'd be the, I think so. That'd be the I, biggest I shocker ever if he didn't but take But I'm Trevor just Lawrence. saying, I don't think that's the reason he takes the job. Yeah.
0: I love a guy like, and his stature and what he's accomplished, a guy like Urban Meyer really takes seriously doing the homework of talking to someone like Jimmy Johnson to the extent it sounds like he did about that before deciding. That's a, that's a pretty respectable thing to say the least. So let me close with this. Uh, appreciate the time, David. It's been great talking to you. So one of my favorite passages, scriptures, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And I remember years ago when that verse got put in front of me by a leader of mine, I thought there's no way I'll ever be able to say that. And it it felt like a humble thing. It felt like, you know, I'm not sure what, but what I realized about that passage is, it's follow my example. It's not saying follow me, it's saying follow my example. And, you know, I see a real steadiness, a real commitment to growth, uh, a not taking yourself too seriously kind of thing. Where would be areas where you would tell, you know, whether it's your kids, people you work with, you know, folks at your church, where would you say, no, I can humbly and confidently say, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ?
1: That's a great question. It's funny because you, you right. You think of that verse and you think of all the ways you fail and, and how you don't measure up, but that's not what, you know, really that that's about. It's about the power of God working in you to lead others to him. And so what are the areas I think that you excel or the gifts that God's given you? And I think it's, in your relationships, and how you deal with people. I think so much of it is you know, how you handle yourself in adversity. Are you reflecting God in the workplace? Are you reflecting God in your home and how you speak to your wife, your children, people you work with? I, th- I think that's the biggest thing is you're going to make mistakes. You're, you're not going to do things perfectly, and that's not what that passage is teaching, right? It's not about doing things perfectly. It's about leading and setting an example, and I think it's all about how you handle your relationships, meeting people where they are. You know, everybody, think about it, God created everybody differently. There's no two, and this is like I mentioned before my wife and I being very different, our personality is very different. And it's so easy to look at somebody and you you evaluate them and, and look at them through your own viewpoint of how you see yourself or your strengths or your weaknesses. And I think it's learning how to see people and embrace people for where they are, for who they are, for who God made them to be, and realizing that, you know, everybody is created with different talents and gifts to to glorify God. That's that's a way God is glorified. And when people just, you know, people that are incredible singers, um, that's a gift God gave them. Use it. You know, use it. God gave you that gift. Use it. And uh, I, I think again, it's just meeting people where they are and, and you could still be a Christian. And and uh, in fact, you you are commanded to be with people that don't see things the way you do and love them, even though they may disagree with you, even though they may hate you for it. Um, and so that's, that's, I think, the biggest thing that I try to think about when it comes to leadership is building relationships with people, meeting people where they are, even if they completely disagree with you or hate you. And Thankfully, I haven't met too many people that hate me. I'm sure maybe they do, they just don't tell me. But I, I, I try to just remember that you know we're all in a situation where we're different, we're unique. God created each one of us, loves each one of us, and uh, I think if we can just hold on to those biblical truths, you know it's hard to fail. It's hard to fail when you look at people and say, you know, God loves this person. God created them different from me. I need to look at them through the eyes of Christ, not through my eyes and, and what I may think or, or, or how I may view them. And I think when we do that, we can we can really create change and be, you know, image bearers. Wow.
0: That's gold. I don't know how we can close it better than that. Dave, I really appreciate the time. Thanks for uh, being generous with it, making this work amidst a lot of craziness where you're maybe not traveling as much as usual. I know there's still research and homework that goes into all that and getting ready for games. So thanks so much. We're
1: really blessed to have you with us. Oh, you're welcome, Jeff. I appreciate you having me on.
0: Thank you for joining us on the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. You can reach Jeff at GatheringMiamiValley.org or find us on Facebook at The Gathering of the Miami Valley.
1: Join us again next week for another honest and rich conversation. The Shine FM Podcast Network.